Hey everyone, you're listening to Stephen Overbaugh, and this is my podcast. I'm so grateful that you joined me this week. Thank you to all my partners and listeners, by the way, who support this ministry, who follow the ministry. Thank you for your uh, financial seed and for your prayers and for joining with me in faith as we do the work of the Lord, as we continue to uh, fulfill the mandate that he's called us to do. It, and it just is an honor to me to to teach the word of God and to to do what I do. And I'm just so grateful that the Lord has called me and chosen me for this. And thank God for his purpose in these last days. Amen. Thank God for his work that's being done in these last days. His call upon the lives of every single believer. His anointings. His grace upon us all to do what he's called us to do. You know, I get excited when I talk about the anointing, about the Holy Ghost, and about the the move of the Spirit and the work of the Lord, because you know this is this is the last the last few moments in time before the church is caught away, before Jesus Christ comes back for us to receive us unto Himself. And there's a great and mighty move of God that's going to take place to usher in and bring in the harvest. And we all need to be in our place. We all need to be right in the perfect will of God ready to do exactly what he's called us to do in stride, in pace, in step with what he is wanting us to do and what he has called us to do. Amen. We don't need to be behind God, but we need to be right with him, not ahead of God, not behind him, but right where he wants us to be, right where he's placed us, the church that he he placed us in, the ministry that he placed us in, the, the work that he placed us in. We all need to be getting down on, on our knees and seeking God for what he wants us to do. Amen. And, you know, the prayer of consecration is a prayer that we ought to be praying all of our lives, every single day of our lives. Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Not what I want, but what you want. Not my plans, but your plans and your purpose. And, you know, when we pray that way, those are Holy Ghost prayers. Those are prayers that the Holy Ghost can take hold with and he begins to move on. And when you pray that way, the Lord will begin to move on your life. He'll begin to speak to you and show you what he wants you to do. He's not withholding. No, he's revealing in these last days. He's revealing his plan and his purpose to us. Glory be to God. But you know, when we get into these podcasts, when we talk about the things of God, when we look at the word and we teach the word of God here on these podcasts, you need to come with an expectancy that I'm going to receive what God has for me today, just like as if I was in a service or a special meeting of some kind. And to really hunger and thirst for the things of God is what's going to cause you to grow spiritually when you have a hunger, when you have a a desire for him. You know, Jesus said, they that Hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And he also said, and this is in Matthew chapter uh, 5 and chapter 6, he said that they, the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. And so God is looking for hungry people. God is looking for people who desire him, who want what he wants. And, you know, there is such a call and a, a mandate and a a directive from the head of the church to be praying in these last days. And at times you'll know 
you'll notice that the Spirit of God will prompt you to pray. He'll prompt you to get down on your knees and spend time with Him in the Spirit. He'll prompt you to set aside what you're doing and to and to uh, pray in the Spirit. And you may not even know exactly what you're praying for, but there's an urgency. There's there's a burden to pray. And you, if you yield to those times, He'll use your voice. He'll use that time. The Holy Ghost will take hold with you and begin to to speak through you. And he'll begin to cause you to pray out the plan of God. And it's not just for your own life personally. It's not even only just for your family, but it's for the work of the Lord, for the, the mandate of heaven. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for the harvest. It's for the the overall plan of God in these last days. And you know, there are different types of prayer. There are different types of uh, praying that the scripture talks about. That scripture actually talks about nine different types of prayer in the New Testament. But there'll be times when you're interceding for the lost. Or when you're supplicating for the church. And there's a difference between the two. A lot of times church people will say that they're interceding. And they say, we're, we're having intercessory prayer. Or let's get together, let's have inter- intercessory prayer. And then they begin to pray for the church. They begin to pray for believers. They begin to pray for all kinds of stuff. Well, really, in all reality, according to the scripture, intercessory prayer is one type of prayer. And it has to do with praying for the lost. And actually, the scripture says more about praying for believers and supplicating for believers than it ever does about intercessory prayer. There's more scriptures that make mention of supplication in the New Testament than there are those that make mention of intercession. But a lot of times we get these terms mixed up and we say intercessory prayer when really what people are doing is they're really supplicating. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So notice in the Spirit, why don't we turn over there to today? If you have your Bibles, you can look at it. But in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19, just like we said, the Paul the Apostle Paul gives some direction on how to pray, doesn't he? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, actually. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Well, notice, notice what's he's the context of what he's saying here. Who are we praying for? He said for the saints, didn't he? But notice, when it comes to praying for the saints, he talks about supplication, not intercession. See, a lot of times people think, and like I said earlier, they think that intercession covers it all. But really, intercession is only a part of it. It's part of how we should pray. It's only a a small piece of the whole overall picture or the whole pie of prayer, so to speak. Intercession is a part of it, and it's a a major part of it. But when we're talking about praying for the saints, we're actually supplicating or bringing supplication unto the Lord in the Spirit. And Paul said, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, if you look at other translations and you look up what that actually means in the Greek, it actually means praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. So one translation says, being led by the Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, you're in the Spirit being led or directed by the Spirit of God on how to pray, on how you should pray on on the direction you should go and on what should be said and what should be done. And, you know, we can get together in prayer and we can talk about how to pray and we can have our own ideas of what should be prayed out. But really what we ought to be doing and what we ought to be um, trained to do is to come together and to be led by the Spirit of God to pray in whatever direction he wants us to pray in. And that's what I say, because I I teach on prayer often, and I have a ministry, part of my ministry is to teach on prayer, not just by precept, but by example, and to show people uh, how to pray, and to also have a demonstration of the Spirit that follows that. But I'll teach people that you know, when we come together in prayer, yes, we can have some sort of a plan or an agenda. We may even know what we need to pray for, but but ultimately we need to come with an openness that we're going to let the Holy Ghost lead, that we're going to follow the Holy Ghost. We're going to do whatever it is He wants to do. And praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit just means that very thing right there. It means that you're praying in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And you're allowing the Holy Ghost to take hold with you to accomplish the work of the Lord together in prayer. Somebody said, how effective is prayer really? Well, I'll tell you, it is for the person who knows who they are in Christ, who knows their rights and privileges, who knows the word, it is very effective. The scripture says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James chapter 5. It availeth much. Now the Amplified version of that same scripture says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much it's dynamic in its working it's dynamic in its working so it it's it makes tremendous a power available i believe it also says so it's brings tremendous power into it and it's dynamic in its working glory be to god Glory be to God. So prayer, the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous woman is effective. It does make effective the plan and purpose of God through what is being said. It is dynamic in its purpose. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And so we need to expect that. We need to expect that when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray that we know that God is listening, that the Lord is listening, that He's His ears are open to our prayers. And that He's not only listening to us, but He's using our prayers to accomplish what needs to be done in the earth in these last days. Glory be to God. And if you're looking for that scripture, it's in James chapter 5. Uh, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And like I said, the Amplified Translation says, 
It makes tremendous power available and it's dynamic and it's working. And so should we be praying? Yes. Should we be praying every single day? Yes. There's an urgency. There's a call. There's a a uh, burden in the spirit to pray more and more in these last days and to seek the face of God concerning what needs to be done. We ought to be praying like never before. We ought to be praying and, and uh, getting down on our knees and allowing the Holy Ghost to use us to pray in these last days. You know, I also say to when I teach that every single member of the body of Christ, every single Christian in the body of Christ has a ministry of prayer, has a ministry of prayer. Now, let's look over at Romans chapter 8 and look at the 26th verse. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, or this is a King James translation that I'm reading out of, a better translation would say himself, because the Holy Spirit is not a it. He's the third member and person of the Godhead. So a better translation would be himself. The Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now somebody said, well, now see right there, that's talking about intercession. Now wait a minute. Who's making the intercession here? It says the Spirit makes intercession for us. You know the reason why we don't make intercession for each other as Christians and why we're not, why it's not termed intercession when we're praying for uh, the church and for the body of Christ? It's because we don't have to make intercession for the other members of the body of Christ because Jesus already makes intercession for us. He's already making intercession for us. Somebody said, where's that at? Well, you're in Romans chapter 8. Look at the 27th verse. The reading on. So we're in, we were in 26. Look at the 27th verse. He who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now keep reading. We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with us, with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33, who shall lay anything against the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Now, this is what I wanted to get to right here. Verse 34, he, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather is risen again. Now notice, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, if you have your Bibles, you should mark that in your scripture and mark that there in your Bible. Mark that line. Who's making also maketh intercession for us. So who's making intercession for us? It's Christ, the head of the church, the Son of God. He maketh intercession for us, the saints. So we don't make intercession 
for the saints because that's not our role. That's the ministry of Jesus. What we're called to do is supplicate, and you'll look through the New Testament, you'll never find any place in the scripture where it says that we're to intercede for the saints. No, but it always says supplication. But when the scripture talks about intercession in verse 26, he's talking about, again, the Holy Ghost making intercession for us. So as we're praying, he's helping us in our infirmities with that word there means, it's a King James word, but that word literally means weaknesses or inabilities. And it's, somebody said, what weakness or what inability? Well, it's the weakness or inability of not knowing how to pray as we ought. You see that there in verse 26. So the help the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or our weaknesses, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then it goes on, talking about the perfect will of God and how we pray according to that. But see, the point I want to make here is that when we're supplicating, the Holy Ghost takes hold with us and he helps us pray. And you know, I just don't know how Christians can do without the Holy Ghost. Because a major part of being filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, is that immediately you're, giving, you're given a prayer language that helps you pray beyond your own understanding. You're immediately given a prayer language that helps you pray beyond your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own understanding. And, you know, like I said earlier, the church has been given a ministry to pray, but so many in the church are praying according to their own understanding. Or they're praying according to what they know, what they think, what they have figured out, what they can see. Well, there's so much out there, friend, that you can't see. And there's so much out there that you don't know. But the Holy Ghost knows and he'll help you pray along the right kind of line, the right kind and the way you should be praying. He'll help you pray in a powerful way to cause the plan of God to be accomplished in the earth and in people's lives. Glory be to God. And, you know, it just takes, this is one major reason why people should be filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Lord gave me a directive and a mandate to teach the people of God, to teach believers in the local church and Christians about the Holy Ghost and his work in and through their life. See, the moment you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're filled with power and you're given a ministry. Do you remember what Jesus said in, chap- in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Glory be to God. You shall be witnesses unto me. Well, I want you to notice that the scripture talks about power to be a witness. Jesus said that there's a power that's made available to you to cause you to be a witness. So many people try to be a witness for Christ without power. But there should be a power that accompanies your witness. There should be power that comes along to enable you to be a greater witness for Christ. And being filled with the Holy Ghost will cause you to be a greater witness for Christ. You shall receive power. Now that scripture there, the word power there, if you look it up in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, 
but I do have a Greek concordance and I've studied out the words and and thank God we can get the a meaning of different words from time to time when we need them. And the scripture there says the, for the word power that the word literally means dunamis or a word that we would recognize in today's culture is dynamite. And so the scripture is likening the word there, it's likened to dynamite power, explosive power from the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, it was talking about this dynamite dunamis power that comes upon you. And it's so wonderful and it's so effective. It's so powerful that it causes you to be a witness for Christ. And you know, it's like the example that Peter gave us when Peter walked the earth and when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was about to go to the cross and they came to arrest Jesus. Jesus warned Peter, he said, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me thrice or three times. Well, Peter said, obviously, that's not going to happen. But later on, it came to pass. They, they said, surely Peter is among them. He was with them. He was with Christ. He's one of the disciples and he denied Christ three times. And and then what Jesus prophesied, what Jesus told him would happen, happened. The word of wisdom was operating there. And so Peter went out and wept sorely, the scripture says. But I want you to notice that in Acts 2.4, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost, including Peter. And it was Peter who got up on the day of Pentecost and preached the message. And 3,000 people got saved, born again, and came into the church that day. So it was the same man, the man who before denied Christ and was ashamed and was afraid, later on stood up and boldly declared the work of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Well, what made the difference in his life? What made the difference? He got filled with something. He got filled with power. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what Jesus said. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, why is this so important? Evidently, it's so. it was so important that Jesus told the disciples to wait for this gift. I always say it this way. Jesus is the gift to the world, but the Holy Ghost is the gift to the church. He belongs to the church. He's a gift to the church, but so many in the church are denying him, rejecting him, refusing him. And it's a sad thing because he's a gift and he's a helper, and he's an enabler. And on top of that, he wants to be your comforter in a greater measure. You know, there's a lot of things that the Holy Ghost brings into our lives when we're born again, because if you are born again, you do have the Holy Ghost within you. And there's no doubt about that. Some people had the erroneous teaching that you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues in order to have the Holy Ghost. Well, that's not true. No, Being born again means that you have the Holy Ghost within you. You do have the Holy Ghost, but you have him only, listen, only in a measure. But there's a greater measure that you can enter into. There's a greater measure of the Holy Ghost that he wants you to partake of. There's a fullness that he wants you to enter into. It's kind of like the uh, drinking water, a glass of water. I have some water here on my desk right now. If I take a drink of water, you know, I have water in me, don't I? 
and I am familiar with water. I I know something about water because I put it in me. I, I, I've I've come in contact with water, but that doesn't mean I'm full of water. If I want to get full, I got to keep drinking. I got to keep drinking. I got to keep drinking and stay, continue to just take it in and it'll fill me up, right? Well, it's the same thing with the Holy Ghost. You can have a measure of the Holy Ghost by being born again. And when we say, Jesus come into my heart, well, Jesus does come into our heart in the person of the Holy Ghost. See, we receive the earnest of our inheritance. He's the earnest or the guarantee of what we've received. He's the um, the spirit of truth who's come to live on the inside of us. And Ephesians chapter 1 talks about that. How that he is the, the gift, the earnest of our inheritance. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. And... He is there to live on the inside of us. But there's more of him that we can obtain and that we can have. There's a greater measure and greater fullness that we can enter into. We are sealed with the spirit of God, the spirit of promise. The scripture said in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, when we get born again. But Jesus also talked about being filled with the Holy Ghost. The scripture said part of Jesus' ministry is that he would baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Glory be to God. And so jumping back, evidently this was important enough that he told his disciples to tarry, right? Do you remember that? In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father to you, upon you, the scripture actually says, Behold, I send the promise from my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with, notice the word, power from on high. Well, evidently it was important enough he told him to wait, to tarry. Now, we obviously don't tarry today. Some people in Pentecostal circles think that you have to tarry for the Holy Ghost still, that you have to wait for the Holy Ghost to come on you. And, and a lot of times that can hinder people from receiving the Holy Ghost. But actually, if you look at the scripture, the only time Jesus ever said to tarry was in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And then once the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 going down through 4, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, from that day forth, we never see anyone ever tarrying again. So yeah, in Luke 24, verse 49, he told him to tarry. But from Acts 2 on, we never see anybody ever tarrying again because the Holy Ghost has been poured out, because the gift has already been given, and all you have to do is receive him. You know, I've said for those that are hungry in life, for those that are looking for more in life, they don't know exactly what they're even looking for, but they know they want more. They know they need more. The Holy Ghost... The Lord will visit them in that place of desire and hunger and he'll fill them with his spirit. That's a word that I got from the Lord a while back. And it is so true that people who desire and hunger for the things of God, he's going to fill them because their heart is right. Amen. Glory be to God. And so I'm so grateful for the Holy Ghost, aren't you? And, you know, there's a lot of different erroneous teachings out there. Why we shouldn't have the Holy Ghost. Why it's passed away. Oh, that tongue stuff is of the devil. Well, you just go ahead and prove to me by the scripture where it says that. You go ahead and prove to me, if you can, 
that the tongues is of the devil or that it's passed away or that it passed away with the last apostle or that's not for everybody. You show me where it's at in the scripture. And I'll tell you this, you won't be able to. I was talking to an individual one time who thought he knew so much about this subject. He'd come from a denominational background and there's nothing wrong with the denominational background. We're in the body of Christ. But don't let your religious roots, your roots, if you're from the South, like I'm from Oklahoma, but don't let your religious roots, don't let your um, what you've been taught and what you've um, been familiar with hinder you from receiving the word of God and from receiving revelation from the word of God. Don't let your background, your religious background, keep you from receiving what God has for you. Because God wants to show you more. God wants to reveal more to you. And a lot of times when people say they know the word, and when they're confident that they, they, they know the word, they can be surprised because the Holy Ghost will begin to reveal more to them and show them things like they've never seen it before. The Lord Jesus will begin to reveal himself. You know, the scripture said in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse uh, 16, talks about the prayers that Paul was praying for the church. He said, I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. See, there's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him or the knowledge of Christ. And there's more. There's more to know. There's more to see. And so don't act like you know it all. Be open to receive more. Be open to receive. Ha, ha, ha. Glory be to God. And so anyways, I was talking to this individual. And like I said, he came from a religious denominational background. And um, he wanted to challenge me on the subject of the Holy Ghost. And I like to debate. I think that uh, that it's good to be able to defend and to um, be able to talk about what it is that you believe in and be able to sh- prove it by the scripture. And so we were talking and he was trying to pull out scriptures, isolated scriptures here and there, trying to prove his point, saying that the Holy Ghost wasn't for everybody, saying that that it was, uh, wasn't something that everybody could receive. And he tried to use the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's such an old uh, tactic, I like to say, about how Paul said, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. And obviously, he was talking about um, other gifts and stuff and saying, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gift of prophecy, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Well, in that context of what Paul was saying, he, no, the answer is no, not everyone can do that. But what Paul was talking about was a public ministry of speaking with tongues and then bringing the ter- interpretation. You see, a lot of times where people miss it, is they think that that scripture there applies to everyone that can, everyone, and that determines some can receive the Holy Ghost and some can't. But actually, what people miss is that there are two sides to tongues. There's more than one operation of tongues. There is being filled with the Holy Ghost and your private prayer language unto God. Because remember the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, follow after love, desire spiritual gifts, and that you may prophesy. Didn't he say that? 
but rather that you may prophesy. Verse 2 says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So what Paul was showing us there, there is a prayer language unto God. He who speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. And when in Acts 2, 4, they got filled with the Holy Ghost, there was 120 of them in the upper room. Every single one of them got filled. God didn't pick out certain people to be filled and others he left alone. No, when there's the ministry of tongues and interpretation, which I like to say it's a public ministry of tongues and interpretation. And then there's being filled with the Holy Ghost, which is your private prayer language unto God. Yes, anyone can speak with tongues. If you're in the body of Christ, if you're born again, you can speak with tongues. The Holy Ghost will fill you. He'll be and he'll come on you and you'll be able to pray and speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. But then what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was that not everyone has the public ministry of tongues which is with which comes with interpretation. And that's in verse 30 of chapter 12. So there's two sides to it. There's two, two, more than one operation of tongues. And so that's a, mis, a misunderstanding that a lot of people in the body of Christ have. And it's taking it out of context. But see, if what Paul said is true, and it is, that not everyone can speak with tongues and interpret, then he must be talking about a ministry or something different than a prayer language because the scripture said in like we just read in the 14th chapter that whatever it is that Paul was talking about it was speaking unto God it was speaking unto God and not unto man so see there's a difference there and so this individual tried to use that scripture going back to my story you thought I forgot about it but I didn't <laughs> this individual tried to use that and I taught him you know, there's a difference. There's dual operations. There's more than one operation of tongues. There's the the prayer the prayer side of tongues, a private prayer language that you have unto God, and then there's the public ministry of tongues. And so then he tried to pull other scriptures out and tried to use other things. And you know, the more we talked, the more I could tell he really didn't know or have a grasp on anything he was talking about. And eventually, the subjects started to change from subject to different subjects, and we just got all off. But eventually I just stopped him and I said, listen, listen, listen. The truth of the matter is, is that the Holy Ghost wants to fill you. That you're in the body of Christ. That you're, you're a child of God and he wants to fill you. And I told him a story about my grandmother who was a good old Baptist lady. And she loved the Lord and she was desirous of the Lord and she wanted more. And she met a Pentecostal lady years back and she said she didn't know exactly what it was but she said there's something different about this lady I don't know what it is but there's something different about her and I want to know what it is well she came to find out that the lady was Pentecostal and she was filled with the Holy Ghost and my grandmother went to the Lord and said Lord I'm a Baptist and I don't know everything about this but I want I'm asking you to show me if it's right I'm asking you to show me if there's anything to this tongues business and this Holy Ghost business. And the scripture that the Lord took her to was back in Acts. And it was in Acts, the third chapter. And 
it was such a it had such a, a profound effect upon her because it it literally cleared it all up for her and she was able to see the light on the subject like she had never seen it before can you say amen now i'm going to look for it i'm actually uh I'm not using my own Bible tonight. I'm using a different one because I don't have my Bible at the moment. But um, it says here in Acts chapter 3, starting in the 18th verse, it says, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath also so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come in the presence of the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And, you know, times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord, don't they? And um, I am not finding the scripture that I was looking for, guys. I'm just going to be quite honest with you. I keep trying to buy time. But I'm not looking, finding it. But anyways, I'll just uh, have to quote it. But anyways, she found the scripture that says, This is to you and to your children and to all that be afar off, as many as the Lord God should call. What was And the scripture was talking about the Holy Ghost and how it was a gift to those there that were listening to the message that day that Peter was preaching and it was to the, their children and to all that be afar off as many as the Lord shall call. Well, that scripture literally opened my grandmother's eyes and she saw it like she never saw it before. She was able to see that the Holy Ghost was for her. It belonged to her and she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I told this story to the young man and you know, because he was born again and because he is a child of God, I could just see desire in his eyes after that. I could just see the Lord working on him right there. Because see, when you give the word, it's hard to fight the word. It's anointed. It's powerful. And when the Holy Ghost begins to work on that word, he begins to teach through that word and begins to reveal uh, the word and the scripture to people. It's hard to fight that. And the guy, really, I could see the desire in him for more. And so we were able to help him. We were able to minister to him. And he was able to see things like he never saw before. But so many people are fighting this, guys. They're fighting something that, that really should, is not right. They're fighting for something when they, when they could just receive the gift, the wonderful things of God, the wonderful work of God that he has for him in these last days. And you know, we have a ministry. And we need to step into our ministry and the way we step into it, the enablement of the Holy Ghost, the powerful, wonderful things that the Holy Ghost can do for us to cause us to be effective and to cause us to uh, be fulfilled in life and to do what we're called to do. And so, you know, the ministry of the believer, I'm not talking about fivefold ministry gifts now. Fivefold ministry gifts are actually sent to the body of Christ for the perfecting of the saints, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 8, verse or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why they were given. He gave gifts unto men, the scripture said. In Acts chapter, or I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. And verse 11 said he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. So the ministry gifts are sent primarily to the body, but the ministry that's on the body, the body of Christ has a ministry, doesn't it? They have a ministry. And their ministry is uh, talked about in different places in the scripture. And so many people don't even know about it. Talks about it in uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every living creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name... Jesus said, they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. Notice, they shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Well, that's a ministry that's been given to the body of Christ. I wasn't talking about fivefold ministry gifts. They have a healing ministry, they have a ministry to cast out devils, they have a ministry to, to pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost. And, you know, the scripture says in verse 20 of that same opening that they went out preaching the word and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. See, we were talking about the power of your witness. You're in power, the power of, of, of the Lord the, through the person of the Holy Ghost comes on you to enable you to be a witness. There ought to be a power behind what you're saying. There, be a, there ought to be a power in what you're saying. And thank God for the Holy Ghost. And guys, guess what? I found the scripture. It's in Acts chapter 2, verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Verse 38 said, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Glory be to God. Guys, I trust that you love this teaching and that you're blessed by it and received from it today. Remember, you can follow Stephen Overbaugh Ministries on Facebook, on YouTube. We are getting ready to launch into TV ministry pretty soon through Roku. And for anybody out there that knows about Roku or is familiar with Roku TV. We're getting ready to get on there very soon. And God has been moving and working and expanding us. Um, and he's given me words recently about how there's going to be a greater voice that this ministry will have. And it will carry out more and more and more people will be touched. More doors will be opened. And so we're getting ready to launch onto Roku TV. And there's more to come. And so you can also follow the ministry on the website stephenoverbaugh.com and thank you for my partners again you can partner on there through the ministry go to the partner page and fill out the form we want to hear from you we want to be blessed by your testimony we want to stand in faith with you and pray with you for your desires and needs and what you're believing god for um and we want to we want to take hold with you as you take hold with this ministry and so thank you once again thank you for uh being a part of this ministry. Be blessed and I'll see you next time.